Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing all right. My name is Philip, and um, pastor here. And I'm glad. I'm glad this year. Everybody ready for Labor Day? Yeah, sort. How many of you are off work on Labor Day? Yeah. Well, good. Well, that would explain why you're not ready for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you're not, you're not ready for it. If you're working, I'm not working tomorrow. He didn't do it this time. He made a snarky comment the last time I said that. I'm not working tomorrow, so we have the day off here. Offices are closed, and um, planning to have a good time. My uh, wife and my, my son will be at the pool, because it's the last day of the, the pool, because, I don't know if you know this or not, <clears throat> the next day will be cold, so summer's over, <laughs> you know, it, that's why we close it down right then, yeah, right then. But nonetheless, it, it's tomorrow. And I, loving the pool so much, will stay at home. <clears throat> and um, I will probably actually take the fall decorations out of the attic and get them ready to go. And I will put them in places throughout the house. And then over the course of the next week, my wife will put them in other places um, <laughs> in the house. But here's the deal. They're down out of the attic in a position and she can manipulate them the way that she wants to. And I don't care where she puts them. I really don't. You can put them anywhere she wants to. It's fine with me. So, so good. Um, <clears throat> do you know, we're, we're about at the end of bird season. Hummingbird season. So, and other birds are going to fly south. Um, and that's kind of sad because about the middle of this month is when my hummingbirds disappear. And in the last three years that I've had my little feeder, my little hummingbirds have multiplied at my house. Like I have a lot of them now. In fact, sometimes in my backyard, it looks like Star Wars because they're zipping around, fighting each other, trying to get to the feeder and stuff. It's, it's pretty incredible. They're pretty fast. You know, they're the only bird that flies backwards. Yeah, a lot of people know that, but I... I'm still amazed that they, they can fly backwards. Although then I start thinking, why can't other birds fly backwards? But then that's another, that's another thing for another time. But then the birds migrating. So I ran across an article this week about uh, Hurricane Ida, which I'm amazed by hurricanes. I know they cause destruction, very, very um, concerned for the people that are having to rebuild their homes and stuff. So I'm not saying that, but hurricanes are pretty fascinating to me. And I ran across this article that said um, the damage of Avada was really, really extensive and, and was bad. But the real travesty is the birds that have been misplaced from the Gulf Coast in Tennessee. The real travesty. Does that strike anybody else's eye? Like birds being misplaced, I don't think is the number one thing on my list of, of who we need to help. But they're really concerned about these birds. And um, how are they going to get back? Well, they're going to fly, I think, and get back there. I think they will make it. They'll know where, you know, if they fly far enough, they're going to get to water. So, so they're going to do that. So then I started looking up. Um, well, if they're talking about this, then there must be some type of chart for birds migrating through our country. And lo and behold, there is. This is one of them from yesterday. So this is a, a migration chart. The white light is where the majority of the birds are. And, of course, you see the color 
color chart over there. But last night, 363 million birds went south for the winter. Is that not just fascinating to you? 363 million birds, and they went down these particular pathways, right? And then tonight, here's how many birds will be migrating. 338 million. That's a lot of birds, right? I'm sure there's more birds than that, but I mean, that's just a lot of birds. And so they're going to migrate down, you know, through. Now, this article also was telling people in Chicago to turn off their lights at night so that the birds can find their way south. I would submit to you this morning that the birds are smarter than the person that wrote the article. They are going to find their way south. They've done it for years. They're going to find their, their way down there. But yeah, birds migrating. So just interesting, interesting thing. If you look on this site, the BirdCast site, they actually have arrows and they'll tell you the different types of birds that come in these particular places. So if you're into that sort of thing, you can, you can read about that. I am not. This is about as far as I went. And that said, turn, to your, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. And I want to begin reading with verse 30 this morning. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 30. And this is what it says. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. So a couple of things about this parable just really quick. First of all, the kingdom of God is really a um, picture of the sovereignty of God, his rule over the entire earth. So the kingdom of God that is coming, we can talk about that later, is a sovereign rule, and this is how it works. It's like a grain of a mustard seed, which sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth, yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches. So there's different mustard seeds. I don't know if you know this or not. There's a seed that actually plants uh, a plant that creates mustard seeds that we make stuff with. And then there's this mustard seed that is referred to here that is more like a tree, but some people call it a bush. It grows to the heights of 25 feet, is the tallest one we've ever seen, and anywhere between 10 feet and 25 feet, and this is what it looks like. The mustard tree, so to speak. It is actually called Salvadora Persica. I think I said that correctly. But nonetheless, that is the, that is the tree. That is a mustard seed tree. Now, if you, can, if you look at it, you can see why that would be very inviting to birds. It's a place you can nest. It's a place that you can get protection. It's a place that you can hide, right? And so you, you go through. Now, the, the plant, you can't really hide in a field with these plants. They grow 10 feet tall, but the birds can't really hide there, but they can hide there. So the kingdom of God is like an insignificant mustard seed that is planted. When it grows up, it becomes a place of protection, a place of safety, 
a place of, I can relax now for birds. So the birds actually refers to Ezekiel chapter 17. I know this is a lot of information, but, but they, it refers to Ezekiel chapter 17 where these birds are nesting in these trees and the birds represent the nations. So Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God is not just a kingdom for the Jews. It's a kingdom also for all the nations of the world. And it's planted like a little mustard seed, and over time it grows into a place where everyone is invited to come and get protection, rest from their weariness, and fellowship within its branches. Isn't that a beautiful picture? The kingdom of God is like that. Now, these mustard seed trees are actually scattered throughout Israel, and they're also scattered throughout the Middle East. You can find them anywhere. There's no rhyme or reason to why they're in one place or another. Um, They've tried to make a rhyme or reason. There's a lot of them that grow near water. But of course, a tree would grow near water. But they can also be found in the desert because they do not require much water at all. So this little mustard seed can be thrown into the ground and literally all over the area, just randomly, they will sprout up and become a haven for the nations or the birds of the world. Isn't that a great picture of the gospel? The gospel is spread and as insignificant as that message might seem at first, it can be planted and then after a while it grows into something where people find rest for their souls. Isn't that a beautiful picture? So it, it's a little mustard seed. Insignificant, but in the end, it's very significant. Very significant. So let's go to the next one. Verse 26 says this. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now back then, they scattered seed on the ground like this. Okay? I don't do it that way. I go like this. Okay, have the same hooks, I do my seed out, and to be honest with you, when I'm planting my grass seed, I, I try to do it evenly, but it's very difficult for me to do. So I have places in my yard where there's a lot of grass because I went this way and then turned back this way and there's just a lot of grass here. Here, this guy is planting seed evenly, and somehow or another, they figured out how to do that. that that's beyond my capability because I'm not that patient, right? And so he's scattering these seeds. And the parable continues. It says, he sleeps and rises night and day. And night and day, he sleeps and rises, sleeps and rises, night and day, night and day. That's how the Greek is written there, to be repetitive. And the seed sprouts and grows, And he knows not how. Now, when I said repetitive, that was the way that they did time lapse. Have you ever seen time lapse? Like, so it's a time lapse mechanism. So the seed sprouts and grows, and he does not know how. So here's this guy that's planting the seed, and he goes to sleep, and he wakes up, and he goes to sleep, and he wakes up, and he continues to plant seeds. And somewhere down the line, he wakes up one morning, there's a sprout in the ground, and he doesn't know how that happened. And let me tell you. Even today, 
with science the way it is, they still cannot tell you exactly why something that is dead, which is a seed, can sprout something that is alive. They can make the conditions for it. They can cause it to happen with environment, but they can't tell you why it happened. This is why this seed turns this way. They can't tell you that. I don't know if you've been keeping up with this, but the Chinese have actually germinated a seed on the moon. Fascinating little read. I don't know how they did it. Well, of course, they created an environment that it would happen. It's not in that atmosphere. But they've actually germinated a seed on the moon. Well, how did that happen? How does life happen? Right? How, did, how, how are we all of a sudden alive? Um, I read a couple of years ago about an Egyptian tomb that was opened, and they found some seeds inside the tomb, and they say that it was 4,000 years old. Okay, These seeds were 4,000 years old. They planted these seeds in the ground, and an extinct plant grew. 4,000-year-old seeds. Now, let's just say that they were wrong with the 4,000 years. Let's just say that it was 2,000 years. Let's say that it was 100 years. It's still amazing that a seed would grow after sitting in a tomb for that extended period of time. It is a mystery. So this parable, this guy's spreading seed. The seed is the word of God. We know this because of scripture above it. Seed is the word of God. We sow it as believers night and day and day and night. We sleep, we rise, we sow, we sow, we sow. And somehow or another, down the road somewhere, we look back and we see where God has germinated the seed and caused life to happen in other people's life. It's an amazing thing. You see, I can witness to Brett. And I can grab his shirt and say, accept Christ, accept Christ. And try my best to get him to accept Christ and respond to the seed that I'm trying to plant in his soul and make him. But I cannot make Brett receive the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. I, I can't do it. I can put a gun to his head. I can do I wouldn't actually do that. But I can put a gun to his head. I can, cho- I can do all kinds of stuff, try to bribe him. But I cannot make Brett receive the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. But what I can do is I can give him the seed. You see, when you and I witness, when we plant these seeds of the kingdom, when we give the gospel of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and we give it to people, that's all we have to do. We just tell him the gospel, nice as we can, as gracious as we can, as loving as we can, and then we leave it alone and we go to sleep and we wake up and we go to sleep and we wake up. And over a period of time, Brett will come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. That's how this thing works. I know I just made that very simplistic, but you get the picture. It's not up to you to germinate the seed. It is a mystery to me anyway how I was once dead, but now I'm alive. And I felt it inside of me when that happened. There is something that arose in my heart, inside of me, that became alive at that moment. And that is a mystery of the gospel and the regeneration power of our God on our souls. Isn't that amazing? And all we're supposed to do 
is do the seeds. And then we look back and this parable says, there will be a harvest. So that takes us to Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And this is what it says. And he, Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got in a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears, let him hear. And so upon hearing this parable, the disciples were like, what in the world is he talking about? Why are we talking about seed being planted on pathways? And it is crazy to think that anybody would plant seed in rocky places And then why would you plant seed in thorns? I don't know if you know what those thorns actually are, but it's like like thorns that grow up out of the ground and, and they go like this. And so you can actually walk under them or crawl under them. In serious, not just thorns here, you know, briars that... You get, they, you actually walk under them and, and there's room up underneath here, but you can't stand up or you're going to get hurt because the thorns are pretty long. If you look at this, this picture right here, that's what they look like, but that would be like over your head. So, it, so it's like, who would plant, you, you couldn't even harvest the seeds there if, if that is in. And then, of course, you would do this on fertile ground. You see, when you planted seeds, you would do it in the field with your hand like this, and then you would get your ox and you'd get your plow and you'd plow those seeds into the ground at a certain depth. That is beyond my capability of of being able to figure that thing out, but they did it all the time. So they had different depths for, for whatever they were doing because, believe it or not, people before us were smart. Yeah, we aren't, I'm not so sure that we're smarter than them. Things that they figured out. And so they planted these seeds. So the disciples were like, what in the world? The kingdom, what? This guy went out to plant So What is he talking about? And so Jesus knew this. And so he, he says, I, I guess I'll give them an explanation. So in verse 13, he says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, Jesus is saying that was pretty simple and you didn't get it. Let me explain it to you. Verse 14. The sower sows the word, so we know what the seed is. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Let me put it to you this way. Go to my first red slide. Their path was never their own path. Their path was never their own path. 
So the way that seeds are, are sown, like in this picture on a path, is like if mom and dad took their children to church. And so they took their children to church, and in their home, they, they read the Bible, and they told them the gospel, and they kept giving them these seeds of faith. They kept sowing in their home, and the children received those seeds. And so they're on the same path of their parents. But what happens sometimes, not all the time, is these kids never really take ownership of the seeds that their parents are trying to plant in their souls. And because parents cannot make children receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, and even if a kid receives the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, just so mom and dad would shut their mouths. Look, this has happened. People have testified to this and then got saved later on, okay? Just so mom and dad would shut their mouths, what has happened is the seeds were never their own, and they're actually trampling on the seeds of faith that their parents are laying on their path. Are you tracking? And so when they leave home, this is what happens. They leave home, and they hear a professor, they hear a friend, they hear a boss, they hear someone at work, and Satan comes in, and he flies in, and he takes all those seeds away. He devours them. And those children that are now grown are led away from the faith because their path was never their own path. You see, when you see the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and the seed becomes yours, you chart a new course. Your parents' path is their path. And you now have your own path where you are following the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that path and all you're doing is following mom and dad or following someone else, eventually all those seeds will be taken away. And so that's what that parable that particular part of that is about. So he continues. Verse 15, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then when tribulation or persecution arises... On account of the word, immediately they fall away. I think it's interesting here that it's rocky ground. There's a lot of people that live their lives in a rocky, dark place. It is not that these people cannot be saved or that the Holy Spirit can't draw them to salvation. I'm not saying that. But they come to church and they're looking just for a glimmer of hope in their life. So they grab a hold of this gospel message that is grand. I mean... Isn't, isn't it great to think that you could be saved and forgiven of all your wrongdoings? Especially if you feel like there's a lot of them and you just can't get past them. So they grab on to this little flicker of light just like they have grabbed on to other things in this world. Like for instance, have you ever heard of comfort foods? Some people look for things to comfort their rocky lifestyle and just have some moment of goodness. 
And so it's a donut. It's, it's some type of Swede. It's some type of something. And so all through life, they are attaching themselves to whether it's drugs or alcohol or friendships or a new experience or a new move somewhere. They're trying to grab onto all this kind of stuff. And they come to church and they treat church the same way. Oh, this is different than anything else I've ever. I will try this and see if it works. So let me pause right here and say, if you're trying Christianity to see if it works or not, you do not have faith. The mere fact that you're trying it means that you really don't believe the message. You're testing it out to see if it's true. And there's always the sun that comes up and tribulation that comes up in your life that will dry you out in a skinny minute because there's a war going on for your soul. So if you're going to try something out, you can take it to the bank that Satan knows you're trying it out, and he's going to make sure with all his power that it doesn't work. And so it doesn't really root itself in anything, and it's taken away pretty quickly. So that is that one. The next one <laughs> says this. And others, verse 18, are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter and choke the world, and it proves unfruitful. Now, I have a different interpretation to this particular portion of this parable than most people that you will read. And I, I'm... I'm, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm good with, you know, not saying something and someone else not agree with me or, or whatever. That's, that's, that's perfectly fine. And to be frank, those aren't the people that are preaching this morning. And so this one, this one was interesting to me, and it, and it made me think a little bit. I believe that these people are actually Christians. They have root in the soul, and it's growing up, but they can't be fruitful because all the thorns are choking out any ability that they might have to produce the fruit of the Lord. These are seeds that are rooted, but they can't get anywhere because of all the stuff that is around. You see, there's a lot of people that believe the gospel message, and they love Jesus, but they never can seem to grow because they are pursuing other things in this life. They're pursuing riches, and riches becomes more to them than, than this growth, and it chokes them out. Or they have a group of friends that just will not let them get past the growth stage. Now, I told you a couple of weeks ago that, unfortunately, I had a cousin that passed away. And my cousin that passed away, received the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior in prison. Now, we're not going to debate whether or not he received the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior in prison. I believe that he did. When he got out of prison, he went back to his home in the same thorny environment. But he was saved. There, there's reasons I believe this. But he was saved. He was grounded but the thorns were still over, over him. 
So over, over a period of time, those thorns, and because he didn't change his environment, it choked out the life that he had received through Jesus Christ. I might put it to you this way. These are the type of people that didn't adjust their path to be a path that followed the Lord Jesus Christ. They just went back to their old environment and lived in their old environment. Now, let me pause here a moment to say this. And I don't, I don't mean to down the, so don't think that this is down the church. This is just a reality. We do not do a good job with people that get out of prison that have received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's, there's a couple of reasons for that. I have to really think, like when I'm, when I'm approached with that, I have to really think about what to do with this particular individual because I don't completely understand all the environmental stuff that they're coming out of. Are you track? I mean, I, and how they think is different. If you've ever tried to minister to people like that or work with people, it's just, it's just different. God loves them. But we don't really do a good job, and I think it's because we just don't understand. So here's my cousin. He lives in Asheville. He comes out. Churches were not ready to help disciple someone like that. And so he's living with all these thorns above him, and he just couldn't get to the place where he would actually have fruit as a result of his new life in Christ. Sometimes, all the time, really, when you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, your path has to be something else. You can't go back to the same lifestyle. Jesus saved you so that you would have a brand new lifestyle and a different quality of life. And if you don't move out of the thorns, you can never stand tall for Jesus. If you can't move out of the thorns, you can never branch out to where you can have fruit. The thorns will take your fruit every single time. I would submit to you today that there's even pastors that have known the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but because they had thorns of sin over them, they became very ineffective for the gospel at the end of their journey. Are you tracked? And that's the same way with people. You become very ineffective if you don't change your path. So this parable ends positively. And this is what it says. Verse 20. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it. They accept it. They make it theirs. And bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Now, a cool study that we're not going to get into today is the 30 actually parallels the path, and the 60 actually parallels the rocks, and the 100-fold actually parallels the um, thorns, the thorn bushes. Can't get into that today. But what I can get into is this. People that have soul that grows the seed of the gospel value what was planted inside of them. You have to value what is planted inside of you. You have to value it. Now, how many, how many of you have things in your home that you value, like you wouldn't want to see gone? Can someone tell me something that you value? Yes? Pictures. Pictures of family? Yeah. <clears throat> if it went up in flames? 
Digital copies is all you have. But there's some old pictures. This is where I'm going with this, because some people, we don't think in terms like, there's some old pictures of grandma and stuff that you can't replace. Yeah, so pictures in your home. What else? All weapons. Very good. <laughs> very, very good. Very good. <laughs> yeah, we have witnesses now. If you're watching online, we have witnesses. Yeah. What else would you value? What? Thumper. Yeah. Yeah, so a thumper is an heirloom from your grandma. Yeah. So these are things that we value. And you put them in a, in a place. So if I was to come to your house, Steve, and take thumper, you would come looking for me. Right? Like you probably have some sort of camera system. I could probably navigate around your camera system, coming to think about it. But if I was to come and, and take, your, take your thumper, you would see that it's me, and you would probably be at my house or send me a text or call me on the phone or ask me where thumper is, right? There would be some type of value he would actually go after. If I was to go to your house, Cindy, and take grandma's picture, and you would to see that I took grandma's picture, I mean, that would be something that you pursue because you value it, Right? Well, when you value what's planted inside of you, you pursue that thing. That's what you pursue. You go after it. And so the seed of the gospel that's been planted inside of me is something I pursue because I value it. I don't have to have a camera. It can't be stolen from me, right? The seed of the gospel can't be stolen from me, but it's up to me to pursue its growth. And I go after it with all my mind and all my heart and all my soul. I go after it. If I do not value it and go after it, I will not possess it. I will not possess it. Right? I will not possess it. There's a record. Uh, it's called Alleluia. So it's a Bill and Gloria Gaither um, album that I grew up with when I was a kid. And recently I got a record player and I went back home and asked dad about that record to see if I could take it with me. And he said, yes, of course, because he's, you know, he's at that stage in life where nothing really matters. I mean, it does matter, but you know, you get to the stage in life where you want your kids to have, do you know what I'm saying? He wants his kids to have the stuff that they want to have. So we're not fighting over it. When the time comes. Anyway, I, I took the record back home and it was just an amazing experience. So I went to my dad's house. I asked him for the record. I got the record, took it home and I listened to it as much as I could because there's a lot of scratches, but I still had the record. It has scratches on it, but I value it. I still have it. I possess it. When you go after the word of God, everything in your life is not necessarily going to be perfect, but it's going to lead you to perfection. It is something that you value and you cultivate inside of you. Those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So you pursue it. You possess it. If you value something... You invest in it. You invest in it. So if I want the seed inside of me to grow and be fruitful, it's something that I have to invest in. 
This means time during the day looking at the Word of God to try to figure out what I need to do differently, to learn more about my Savior. It means that I'm in prayer with God to, to ask Him to cultivate that. Because to be honest with you, there's things that happen inside of me and things that I do now in my life that I'm like, where did that come from? And the answer to that question is, it's a mystery. Because God has cultivated the seed in order for me to have that fruit. Now, you may realize this. You may not realize this. There is sometimes, it depends on if you've asked me questions or counsel. There's sometimes when people ask me a question about something. And I'm trying my best to figure out with my mind what to say to them. And all of a sudden, a thought comes that I need to say. And I say it. And it's exactly what they needed to hear. I want you to notice that I didn't go, wait a minute, um, Chapman wrote a book on that. <clears throat> it's five languages of apology, just give me a bullet, I'll give you something for You know, it's not that. It is you're in the moment and all of a sudden God gives you something and the reason that he can give it to you is because you have studied it or had devotions on it. Or know it in some way like that. And so he gives it to you at that moment. And it's a fruit of your investment in getting to know God and his word. Are you with me? So, so you invest in it. And then you obey it. If you want that seed to have fruit, you have to obey the scriptures. There's a lot of married people in this room, right? A lot of married people. Some about to get married. Congratulations. On September 11th, which is the day the two towers went down, and I don't know what that means for your marriage, but it means something. <laughs> anyway, you're married in the room, okay? You're married. So... The Bible says that you should only have eyes for your spouse. And you do not have eyes for anybody else. Period. Our culture would say there's nothing wrong with exploration. There's nothing wrong with looking. There's nothing wrong with exploring this, 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 and this, and doing this, and this, and this, and this. But the Bible says that you are only supposed to have eyes for your spouse. That seed and that commitment of only having eyes for the one that you married, at the very beginning, doesn't seem like much. But over a period of time, it grows into a mustard tree. Five years, you begin to realize, oh my goodness, my love and my trust for my wife is really growing. Ten years, my love and my trust for my spouse is really getting deeper. Twenty years, my relationship with my wife is so much better. We've only had eyes for ourselves, but the fruit of that is we trust each other. We know where each other, what we're thinking, what we're doing, 
and we're just growing. Is everybody tracking? And I'm at 25 years. And it's amazing to me the level of love and the level of trust, a trust that has not been broken. Every time you look at somebody else, if you look at someone else, it breaks this level of trust. There's something that happens with that love and with that relationship. But as you keep it over a period of time, the rewards are absolutely incredible and almost indescribable, almost indescribable. And so you have this long period of time where this is. And I'll tell you this. Back in 1996, on June the 1st, two very strong-willed people and I know you're thinking Nicole was the only strong-willed one, got married. And this week, I'm saying all of this about love and about trust and stuff. This week, we argued. I would like to tell you that it was a discussion, but it wasn't because I wanted to win. That's the difference between a discussion and an argument. I wanted to win. And at one point in the little argument, I wanted to choke her. Now listen to me. It is not because I'm, I'm, abusive. I'm not abusive. It's not that. I want you to understand why I wanted to choke her, okay? I wanted to choke her because she was right. Do you understand? Man, do you understand what I'm saying? I just, oh, I hate it. You know, you just get that. See, the difference here is if I'm right, I don't want to choke her. I want to revel in it. I'm the one that's right. You know what I'm saying? But I just wanted, wanted to choke her. The whole time that we are arguing, I never once doubted my love for her. And I never once doubted the fact that I could still trust her as my wife. Ladies and gentlemen, that keeps you together in those moments. There is something more going on when you only have eyes for each other and you're committed to each other, and that's it. And that's the one special relationship in the entire world to you. So when you're about to choke them because they're right, you still haven't thought, this is, I, I cannot believe 25 years ago I made the biggest mistake. No, you never think that thought you know your love and your trust is there because you've kept the commitment over a period of time. It works. It looks insignificant at the very beginning. Like, <clears throat> you tell people, just have eyes for yourself and it'll work out. That is the seed that grows into a mustard seed. Now listen, I'm not at all trying to say I'm all that in a bag of barbecue potato chips because my mother prayed for me, Okay. But because she prayed for me, I made a commitment <clears throat> that I would have eyes only for my wife whenever that person was brought into my life. And I kept that commitment. I kept that commitment. I don't know if you know this or not, but that was a very hard commitment to keep. I'm a guy. Come on, that's kind of funny. <laughs> okay, it's okay to laugh at that. It's nothing bad about that, but I'm a guy. Very hard commitment to keep. 
because of my mother's prayers, and I believe it's because of my mother's prayers, and because of that commitment, that is what occurred. And I cannot tell you how thankful I was for that. That I can say that Nicole is the only one that I've ever had eyes for. You talk about trust over 25 years of only having eyes for yourself. I, I'm eyes for yourself. Eyes for your spouse. And you add to it this biblical mandate that says, wait until you're married. And the trust and the love level at this end, I can't describe how, how big it is. Do, do you understand? And, and I don't even think about, at this point, I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. I'm not planning on anything, but I can't think of even betraying that. And it's a seed of obeying the word of God, seeing that seed cultivate by the power of God in your life and the strength that you have at this point in your life. It is an amazing, amazing If we want to have fruit 30, 60, 100 fold, we value the word of God, we invest in the word of God, we pursue the word of God, and we obey the word of God. We obey it. We might not know why we're obeying it. Like, why can't I give that person a cold shoulder? Why can't I slap them? Well, <laughs> There's reasons, good reasons for you not to do that. Stick with it and go with it and do what it says. And then finally, you have to be amazed by the word of God. You just have to be amazed with it. And your amazement has to grow to where when it's being proclaimed or when you're reading it or when you're doing something, nothing else distracts you from it. Right? Nothing else distracts you from the moment that you are getting instruction from the Word of God. You're amazed by it. You're amazed by what it's done in your life. You're, you're amazed by the faith that has grown in your heart. You're amazed by how it has helped you get through your situations in your life. You're amazed by it, amazed. I would have to tell you, um, amazement is more important than we realize. If you're amazed by something, you always pursue it. You always want more of it. So you're amazed by it. So that's the message for today. What are you doing with your seed, seed of the gospel? Is it really your seed? If it's not, you need to make it your seed today. Have you planted it, but you don't have fruit because there's a bunch of thorns and other pursuits in your life that are choking it out? Today's the day to move locations. Get rid of all those thorns and open it up. Start pursuing the word of God and get all that stuff out of your life so that you can focus on what's really important. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for this message. I'm thankful, Father, that we do not have to figure out how to make something live. 
I'm thankful that you take care of that portion of things. I'm thankful, Father, that the more the word goes out, the more you work your miraculous ways and you cause things to grow. I'm amazed, Father, that you actually work while we sleep. So, Father, I think the people in this room really want to be faithful to your word. They want to grow in it. I pray that you will help them do that. I want to lift up the people in this room that have thorns in their life, that they have the roots in the soul and they just can't get fruitful for you because of all their pursuits. I pray, Father, that we'll be, they'll choose something else. I also pray for the people in the room that their faith has never really been their own. It's your will and by the Holy Spirit's power, I pray that you draw them to salvation so that they can make it their own and possess that seed of the gospel. So we leave all this into your hands and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.